Welcome back to another episode of the Empower Podcast, where today we are joined by fellow podcaster, AJ Eckstein, who is joining us today all the way from Los Angeles, California. AJ is currently a consulting and strategy analyst at Accenture, as well as a career coach with the Career Coaching Company. We're super excited for today's episode and to be able to connect with individuals from different parts of the world that really lets us provide our listeners with unique stories to hear from and have that much more of an impact. So with that being said, AJ, let's start by hearing a bit about you. Awesome. Well, first of all, guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's so great to see that even though the whole world turned virtual and it's been tough for, for so many people, it's great that we can connect. You guys are in Canada. I'm in the States. So so it's awesome to connect. And, and thank you again for having me on the Empower podcast. So a little bit about myself. And it's tough to figure out where, where to start because it's been such a crazy uh, year with the pandemic. But I guess I'd start um, last year. I graduated from USC. Um, and I'd say I'm a, I'm a virtual grad, unfortunately, not because my school is online, but graduation was unfortunately virtual given the, uh, the whole, the whole pandemic, um, at school, I was a business major, Spanish minor and, um, digital entrepreneurship, uh, had a, had a digital entrepreneurship specialization at USC. I was probably as involved as you could be, I would say, and I was ironically just, um, a guest on another podcast last week. And we talked about how involvement trumps your GPA. And I would say that my focus was getting as as involved as possible to like your podcast, empower others through different student organizations. So a lot of my time was spent in the extracurriculars at school. And then also for professional internships, I've had the privilege to be a part of five different companies for internships, one of the largest being the Walt Disney Company. And that was an amazing opportunity to really dive into this business leader rotation program and learn so much about a company in, in a short amount of time. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, my job actually got postponed about six months. And I was in a really interesting position because thankfully I still had job security. It just got pushed back, but I couldn't mm-hmm. travel. I you know, wasn't gonna go back to school. I didn't really know what to do. And I saw that there were so many people struggling out there with internships and jobs. So I actually started something called the Career Coaching Company where we help uh, individuals, both students and professionals, break into these competitive industries with one-on-one tailored career coaching from people mm-hmm. at top companies in, in their respective fields. So it's been an amazing uh, journey along the way. I did a lot of coaching in the beginning and now I'm more of an advisor, helping the coaches coach and then helping our general manager and interns really manage the company, as well as uh, recently started a podcast called The Final Round, where we interview mm-hmm. uh, company recruiters to share insight. And then my current full-time job is a strategy consulting analyst at Accenture in the innovation team. I can definitely talk into more specifics about um, kind of my full-time role at the company. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. I think think we'll dive deeper into everything. But one thing I've been really excited to ask you this whole time is about the podcast, the final round podcast that you've started. So could you start off by telling us a little bit about what you do on that podcast and how the whole experience of podcasting has been for you so far? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that, you know, I I don't think there are, there's a lot of career podcasts out there, but I think Mm -hmm. for for us and what we wanted to do was we really wanted to go super, super niche and specific and interview Mm -hmm. a type of guest that was not very easy to reach out to. So obviously it's good Mm -hmm. to gain traction from our audience, but it's really hard to not only outreach them, but to have them have them say yes and then actually have them on the podcast. So we only interview company recruiters um, at top companies, companies like Google, Facebook, Boston Consulting Group, Tesla, EY. And basically what our goal and our mission is, 
is to share insight with our audience to help them advance past the final round interview and not get knocked out. And I think this idea mm-hmm. really spawned because so many of whether it was my friends or my colleagues or even clients at the career coaching company were telling us about how they got to these final round interviews and it was their number one dream internship or job and they kept getting knocked out and they kept getting knocked out. So we wanted to really figure out the underlying principles of what gets someone past that final round interview because it's so hard to even get to that stage, but to get the offer is that last step. So that's a little bit about what we do at the podcast and then how it's been so far, I would say. As, as, as I'm sure you guys realize, it's a grind. Um, trying to hold oh, yeah. content, I, I don't know um, your specific you know content schedule, but for us, we're trying to do um, you know one podcast per week. And that sounds probably really simple for, for all the listeners out there, but <laughs> it's tough because there's <laughs> many pieces that go into it. You wanna deliver high quality content and the editing, at least for me, the editing takes forever. So. It's definitely been a journey so far. We're a couple months in, but the biggest thing is, I'm sure you guys can, can agree with as well, is when you get those random listeners who message you and say, you know, if it wasn't for you, I would have never learned this, or I love your podcast, yeah. or it's something that I listen to, you know, on the bus ride to school on Tuesday mornings. And those things are what continues to fuel the fire and, and keeps us going. Exactly. And I think I really love the kind of concept of your your podcast, making it to the final round and not getting knocked out in the final round. And I really love that. And I find like it's it super relates to us as well, just trying to have that impact, help students, you know, land their dream jobs and just get further in their career and just be successful overall. And I think one thing that's kind of when you're starting a project, when you're starting a podcast, that's always going to come up is that initial doubt or have to get over to kind of get into, get into the realm and finally start that podcast. Would you say you experienced anything like that? So I think... You know, as much as I want to say that I've, I've never experienced imposter syndrome, it's it's a lie, right? I think everyone mm-hmm. here, whether it's posting something on social media, posting something on LinkedIn, starting a podcast, doing a speaking engagement, whatever it is, when you're putting yourself out there, people will always have doubt. Of course, some people will have more doubt than others. But I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing you have to realize is what's the worst thing that can happen and what's the best thing that, that can happen. So when I was thinking about starting this podcast, I was thinking about, okay, what's the worst thing? okay, I might get some negative feedback. I might have some people in my network say it's it's not good content. Okay, but that's, you know what? At the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. The best thing that can happen that we can, similar to the Empower podcast, is we can empower our listeners to secure internships and jobs. We don't know all of the pros that can happen from it because what I've learned is that there are so many things that I never even realized that, for instance, I get, I have the privilege to interview company recruiters and it's almost like networking for myself for the future as well. I've built up such an amazing network mm-hmm. with these recruiters. And at the end of you know interviewing these recruiters for about an hour and then asking them all these tailored questions about their life, their journey, their insight, they always say at the end, you know, how could I help you? And you know, right now I'm not looking to to go anywhere. I'm really happy where I'm at. But it's great to have those very influential people in your network in case you ever wanted to do a different project or you want to learn more about, you know, Facebook roles, whatever it is. So those things are are just such benefits. And it's almost like inadvertent networking, which has been really cool. Mm-hmm. And then also it drives traffic to our website, right? Because the podcast is under the career coaching company umbrella. So it's almost like a win-win with the first win being empowering others. So I would say that whenever you have imposter syndrome, look at what's the worst thing that can happen. And a lot of people who maybe 
are making fun of you for posting or who are criticizing it, they're doing it because they're jealous, right? That That's mm-hmm. at the root of it. That's why they're doing it. And go out and build your personal brand. Go out and build a business. Go out and help others. And I promise you the benefits will outweigh the cons. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you bring up some really good points there. And I, uh, I love how you mentioned how long the editing process can take sometimes, right? But I feel like after you... Uh, after you kind of like complete those like little humps of the, and the grind, you kind of look back and you really, you really appreciate, like you really appreciate and feel proud of what you've accomplished, especially like those LinkedIn messages that you get from students all the time. We've experienced that as well, getting messages from students saying how much these episodes yep. have helped them. And I feel like that kind of just fuels you. If you just take it one day at a time, those instances kind of come that kind of spark and like reignite your passion for podcasting. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just wanted to ask, like, so obviously we have like a, a team of three that we work on with this podcast. Is it, how how does how's the structure look like for your podcast? Yeah, so we have a few interns on our team who do a little bit of work on the podcast as well as work for a career coaching company. So some work overlaps, but right mm-hmm. now I would say I'm the main the main workhorse. Given that you know it, it's such a, a brand right now that when I reach out to people, you know, and I have uh, almost 10,000 followers on LinkedIn. So I know that my response rate will be higher. I already have a solid network with recruiters. I have other recruiters yeah. introduce me to new recruiters. So it's, it's tough to kind of pass that work on to someone else. And right mm-hmm. now I am doing the, the, <laughs> the sourcing for the guests, reaching out to the guests, mm-hmm. um, you know, creating the tailored questions because we don't just ask the same questions in every podcast. Um, as well as the editing and then the marketing is, is what we help uh, or what our interns help with. But I would say, and, and I don't know if you guys saw one of my uh, LinkedIn posts, maybe your listeners can apply as well, is that we just posted uh, a paid internship, uh, paid marketing internship role for the podcast for this summer Ooh. to help a lot of a, a lot of that work and help us along this journey. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, because like, like I understand, like definitely at, like, at your stage where you have a company and this podcast is kind of like a subsidiary of that company, it, it takes a lot of effort that goes into like, creating a a successful podcast that can be productive and effective. And actually, well, one thing I wanted to ask also was that now that you you mentioned that you talk to um, your podcast is exclusive to like top level recruiters at like um, these large companies. So clearly, you've you've um, you've had a lot of experience, and obviously, you must have heard a lot of like useful tips. If you could summarize basically one or two takeaways that you constantly hear, what would those be? Yeah, so I've definitely heard so much, you know, amazing insight from all these recruiters and every episode we try to make it a little bit different and unique. So it's not just the same content with a different recruiter. But if I had to boil down to probably two of the most memorable pieces of insight, I would say um, the first one was actually from our first episode uh, with a recruiter from the Boston Consulting Group or BCG. And his, his quote was basically, the best networking is done when you don't need anything. So that was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, and this was from recruiters from Airbnb and Google, is that recruiters are your friends. So going back to that first one of, of networking when you don't need anything, I think that a, a really big problem that a lot of people who are trying to get internships and jobs fall into is that they think that networking is very transactional and you only should network when you need something, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, the spring semester and summer's coming up, I want a summer internship, so I need to network. <laughs> The next three weeks right the problem with that and again that's that's fine people still do it and it still works but the problem with that is that it's very transactional because you know that you need something and you're almost in a rush and you're just trying to pack in all of this time into 
a very short amount of time. It should be over the span of a, of a semester, but you're packing it into a few weeks, right? So I think the best network is done again early. If you can early as a like as early as as networking when you're a freshman or a sophomore, when you're not eligible for a lot of internships, but you're just building those relationships. Come junior and senior year, when you reach back out, they already know who you are. You already established that connection, right? So it's much more organic and you can build along that relationship versus just asking for an internship. So I think that the biggest takeaway is try to network when you don't need anything. And then also try to offer something in return, right? Instead of just asking for their time because you want a referral to the company, maybe ask them to be in your podcast, ask them to speak at one of your student organizations, right? If you see that they're posting on LinkedIn, yeah. about, I need some book recommendations. I'm going to, you know, Cabo for the weekend drop a book recommendation, like have, like help each other, right? A lot of students think that they can never help other people because they're so young and inexperienced. That's not the case, right? So I think that try to help others and, and try to network early is the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, recruiters being your friends is a lot of people think that recruiters are out to get you and that they are, they're not hiring managers. They're recruiters. They're the gatekeepers to these companies. So you want to treat them with respect you know, there are people as well, a lot of people, and we've heard this from our, the, the recruiters that we've spoken with, is that they're they're treated so poorly sometimes. And people treat it like a transaction, like give me a referral, like I, I deserve a referral, give it to me. That's not how it works. They're here to help you, not out to get you. And if they ask you a question in a screening call, as in, you know, I, I really like you, I think you're gonna be a great fit for this role, for the inter for the interviews, but what are some weaknesses, right? You should be honest with them. If, if there's a target, of a 3.5 out of 4.0 and you have a 2.5 you need to tell them so they can be aware and they can try to help you navigate that obstacle so they're there to help you and be nice to them they get a ton of outreach so you need to be very unique and creative when you outreach them it should not be a template and just remember that they're here to help you not hurt you i think some that's some really good points especially understanding that recruiters aren't really the not the middleman per se but they're more of uh, opportunity to learn about the company or learn about the culture and see how they can kind of advance your understanding of landing the role and kind of help you in that sort. But moving, taking a step back into what you said about the position that you're currently filling, did you mention it was digital marketing? Yes. So it's a, it's a, a paid digital marketing internship for the summer. And what we're looking mm -hmm. uh, for help with is to help um, edit the podcast, outreach to guests, manage our YouTube channel, manage our different marketing channels, uh, email campaigns, um, everything along the digital marketing skill, even manage our social media. We just started a TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. So we're looking for someone who, you know, is passionate about like the podcast, empowering others, but also has the relevant skills with, you know, using Adobe creative cloud and social media skills, things like that. Perfect. So everybody who's listening, that might be interested in our role. Definitely check out AJ's LinkedIn page for the post that he did make for that. Um, that position and see if you'd be able to land that. But moving on to your point about, I want to touch on personal branding, which I feel is a big point that my, a lot of people might not understand. Did you kind of implement personal branding when you were going through recruitment for Accenture or these other companies while you were still in your undergraduate career? I don't think so. I, I think that I was a little bit more active than other people, but you know, this was a few years ago and I don't think LinkedIn was as hot as it was today. And it was not very, like, if you think that there's still not that many people posting today on LinkedIn, then the, just the average user, that was, you know, even more the case back then where there were such few content creators. 
So I would post every now and then about an update about our super organization or about some sort of accolade or award or, or something with honors, right? But it wasn't a personal brand. It was all professional, but it wasn't as, as much of a personal brand as it is as it is today where, you know, the listeners out there, if they go to my LinkedIn, they know that they're going to get, you know, free career um, insight and content. They're going to learn about our podcast, about career coaching company, et cetera. So I think that I didn't post a lot, but what I did do was I continued to update my LinkedIn. Every time there was an update, whether I just joined a new student organization or I took a new class or I have a new internship, it was always continually updated because I always call, I call LinkedIn, it's a living, breathing resume that has much more color than just a black and white resume. And I think another thing that I did very well is I reached out to a lot of people early. I didn't just connect with people. I didn't just add a note and tell them about me. I added a note when I connected with someone and asked them about them, right? Because the conversation mm -hmm. is not about me. It's about you. It's about the person you're reaching out to because you have to, mm -hmm. you know, you have to understand. And, and even now I, I'm very fortunate that a lot of people will outreach to me asking for a coffee chat or a networking call or advice. And as much as I want to continue to empower others and, and help every single person that reaches out, it's literally impossible. So how I, mm -hmm. I use the criteria to figure out who I actually should hop on the phone with or not given my limited time is how much effort they put into that introductory outreach message, right? Is it tailored? Does it even have, does it say hi, AJ, or does it say hi, sir, or hi, comma? Like if you don't put my name, why would I give you time on my weekend to help you, right? So that, that thing is the first thing. And the second thing is I can tell it's a template, right? I literally coach other people on how to outreach, to write outreach messages. So don't try to trick me by writing a template so you can save 10 seconds, right? And it's, it's amazing in that I literally spent an hour last weekend helping this girl who was in Indonesia and the hours were crazy. I think it was 11 p.m. my time, so it could be a good time for her. And I spent an hour with her, not because she was paying me, right? Not because I owed her anything, but because her outreach message was so tailored and it was a question mm -hmm. I've never received before. And it was something where I knew she read my profile, she looked at her own profile and she connected the two. I told her, I said, this, this is how you have to write an outreach message. And I'm going to prove to you that this works because I'll hop on the phone with you, right? So those mm -hmm. little things, spending a little bit more time doing a little bit more research, I promise you and all the listeners out there, it will pay dividends because other people are either lazy or they don't know how to write outreach messages. Yeah, I, th I think you have such a interesting like element to all of this and how we often just like overlook some of these nuances, right? We just send out a message we'll be like, I hope to stay connected or something, right? And I feel like something to be attributed, attributed to that is kind of the world we live in today and how we try and be as productive as possible. So. For example, in an hour, if you send out a um, a generic message, you can get out like a hundred in like an hour, whereas a tailored message, you might just be able to get out two in an hour, right? But def definitely putting in the extra time does pay dividends. And I think that's such an interesting point for listeners to really take in there. And now moving on, moving on to the career coaching company, you, you kind of mentioned how it provides recent grads one-on-one -on -one mentorship to land dream jobs, right? So could you talk a little bit about any success stories that have possibly come out of this um, career coaching company that you started up? Absolutely. So I would say that, you know, why I think it's such a benefit to have a career coach is that there was a disconnect in the market and that, and I don't know if your guys' school has this, but for our school, for I would say a good amount of schools in the U.S., 
there are career centers and I'm not trying to bash on the career centers. It's, it's great if we, you know, if the school has them, but the problem is that if you say, I want to get into investment banking, right? Mm-hmm. A generalist who has never been in investment banking is giving you advice. So when you ask about how they did it yeah. or how you should do it, it's just stuff they probably found on Google or that they've heard, but it should be from experience. So that's where the career coaching company comes in and that if you want to break into investment banking, well, guess what? We have a, you know, we have a coach from Goldman Sachs who is about to start their full-time job and they just recruited less than a year ago and they can tell you step-by-step what they did, what not to do, what to do to maybe find shortcuts or who to reach out to. So it's such a, a value add when you have someone and you learn from their experience, right? So that's a little bit about why I think the career coaching company is such an asset to people's recruitment processes. And then in terms of, I would say, the uh, the client testimonials or success stories, we've had a ton. We've helped about 100, like one-on-one, 100, over 100 students in the past few months um, land internships and jobs. But I would say two of the most memorable success stories, um, one of them being someone reached out to me and they had a final round interview at Facebook. And it was someone who came from an engineering background and they previously worked at uh, Uber and Lyft in operations, but they weren't able to necessarily articulate their story because it was a little bit all over the place versus having a completely linear career path, which is totally fine. And what we did is, is we really sat down and we, again, we didn't add anything to their resume as in adding this internship or adding this job, but we just helped them with their story. And I think that that's so important mm-hmm. that a lot of people have a tough time explaining their why, explaining their, you know, tell me about yourself. And if you can't explain it and if you can understand it, how in the world am I, let's say a recruiter or a hiring manager, how will I be able to understand it? So I think that what we really did is we spent hours going over just mock interview prep. We actually built some case interviews for Facebook and for this product role. And it was just such an exciting opportunity because it was obviously a huge company and he ended up landing um, the this dream job. So that was really exciting because it was something where we really were able to provide value for, for him on his journey. So that was the first one. And the second one, and again, I, I think I started the podcast talking about how cool it is that you guys are, you know, interviewing me. I'm on your podcast. I'm in the U.S. You're in Canada. I was helping mm-hmm. someone from Sydney, Australia, uh, with career wow. coaching. I mean, that's probably why this place is that I've helped someone, and it was for um, this business leader rotation program at one of the largest consumer packaged goods companies in the world. And it was the same thing, right? They had the relevant experience, but they just couldn't articulate their story. So coming in almost like a, a third party consultant uh, and helping them articulate their story, going through very detailed mock interview prep, going through what questions to ask, and and he ended up landing the offer. So I think two, those two are probably the most memorable success stories, but all of them have been so empowering. For anyone listening who might be interested in the career coaching company, what would be the best way to maybe reach out or get involved with the company? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website. It's careercoachingcompany.com. We're also extremely active on LinkedIn. So you can look up Career Coaching Company on LinkedIn or just reach out to me personally on my on my LinkedIn. It's just AJ and then Eckstein, E-C-K-S-T-E-I-N on LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay. So kind of shifting gears a bit to, as you mentioned, your current role. You mentioned that at Accenture, you know that you're part of the Innovation Fellowship Rotational Program. Could you touch on what exactly that is? Absolutely. So I think one of the funniest things is I didn't even know about this program before I got hired. And I think that's one of the coolest things about it 
in that it is such a large company. I think, you know, overall, there's about literally half a million employees at the company, 500,000 people. Oh so God. it's one of the, lar- the world's largest, I think it is the world's largest consulting company. And that could be good and bad, mm-hmm. right? I think that looking on the good side in that since it's such a large company, there are so many niche programs. There's so many different client projects because we work with almost every company in, in the Fortune 100 uh, company list. So it, it's really, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the, the phrase, the world is your oyster. I really do think mm-hmm. that at the this specific company, it, it's really what you make of it. So I personally love to network and love to meet new people. And given that there are so many people in this company, I've met so many amazing people who have helped me and, and, and helped guide me to get to where my interests lie in innovation and strategy. So this specific program, again, I didn't know about it until I was actually looking for roles within the company. And basically what you do is, um, so you help facilitate innovation strategy and ideation workshops. And I'm specifically working with the CMT industry, communication, uh, media, and technology. And you work with some of the largest companies to essentially, they come in and you open up the door to what capabilities Accenture can even offer before you actually go about implementing or delivering that solution. So it's very much on, on the higher level side, on the strategy side. It's not very, you know, um, in the weeds, which is what I prefer. I like the strategy side. And it's so interesting because every client that comes in, they have a different problem, right? They have, they're a different audience and you want to deliver a very tailored solution, right? Because I think that, and you'll see this if, if anyone's preparing for case interviews out there and that it's very, it's a very one size fits all framework, but for mm-hmm. actual consulting, you need to deliver a more tailored approach. So I'm on the innovation team. It's been an amazing journey so far. People cannot be more supportive and uh, it's been really exciting so far. I'm really happy to be at the company. And from your, from your experiences, for anybody who might be interested in that specific, that specific rotational program, what was the recruitment process exactly like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So at my school at USC, Accenture definitely, I would say, recruits pretty heavily, as well as a lot of the other consulting firms. So they came and they hosted an event. Uh, I know I went to the event, met, met a couple professionals. I applied on our school's internal job board. And then I was fortunate enough to receive uh, an interview. There were two rounds of interviews. I think the first round was two behavioral interviews, uh, meaning that they only asked behavioral questions. And the final round was two more interviews, one being behavioral and one being a case interview where you actually have to go through a business case. So it wasn't anything too crazy because I've been preparing or I was preparing for case interviews. But I think the biggest thing I remember that I, I did this during this recruitment process is I did the necessary research. There are so many consulting firms out there. And from afar, it could seem that they're all very similar. But they're all very different. They all have a different key component. They have different values and missions. They have different business segments. Like for instance, Accenture is not part of the big four. They're not part of you know the MBB or the big three strategy firms. They're almost like this happy medium where they do a little bit of everything, and they they're very focused on tech, right? And they one of their value adds they can they can deliver an end to end solution. So as other companies, they do strategy. And then other companies do delivery implementation, Accenture can do both of those across the board. So being able to articulate that to show the interviewer that you understand what the company is about and to also talk about, and I think this is an important question, when they say, if you were given the, the job today, 
right? What industry would you want to pursue and maybe what practice or function, right? It gets detailed. You have to know what industries mm-hmm. they cover. Some mm-hmm. companies only focus on one industry. Other companies focus on other things. And if you were to say tech, that's fine. But the terminology at the company is CMT, communication, media, and technology. So again, if you're an interviewer and you hear a candidate say tech versus CMT, you want someone who speaks the language of your company because you can imagine them at the firm. So those are some of the things that I did. The recruitment process was great. I met some amazing people and very fortunate to be on the other side now of working for the company. Yeah, I think yeah. One thing I, I think across the board for a lot of like large companies in the firm is like, especially with now with the pandemic, is technology being like a greater like it plays a much greater factor into what the company is trying to do. And I think yeah, you definitely cover that with Accenture as well because technology has become such an important factor ever since the pandemic. And most companies, especially in consulting, that they're trying to implement more and more technology because it, it basically streamlines your operations. It makes it that much more efficient. And now trying talking to more about strategy and consulting in general. So obviously you were first, um, like you mentioned that it's very specialized and you kind of cater to each client and give tailored responses and how every single problem can be different. And I think this kind of is kind of similar to career coaching as well, because you're basically working with the individual person and trying to help them. And every single person is different in the sense that they want to um, achieve different goals and they have different background experiences. So can you just talk about if you ever feel similarities between your career coaching experiences and now your consulting role as well? I love this question. I think it's such a good similarity that you drew it. And yes, I think there are a ton of similarities in that the goal is to empower the client, right? It's not about us. It's not about career coaching company. It's not about the, you know, Accenture, let's say it's about the client, right? So how can you best serve them? Every audience is different. Every objective is different. Their past background or experiences are different, right? So you want to help and empower them. So obviously the actual work is very different. But the underlying goal is the same and you want to deliver a tailored approach, a tailored solution. And, and this is the one of the things that I'm sure you guys have seen other kind of coaching companies out there that offer a master class. It's all pre-recorded. It's probably a little bit cheaper than our you know tailored co- uh, coaching packages. But the problem is that it's like a YouTube video. It's not tailored to you. Mm-hmm. It's just a, like a, a general approach. So that's one of the things that we had. We had, the, we had to make the, the decision, the trade-off of do we go down the route of it being more scalable to just have master classes per se, pre-recorded content and you don't have to have pay our coaches or do we want to go down the route of actually helping more people with this tailored approach with obviously less margins, but our goal is to empower others. That's what we chose and it's been really, really successful. We've gotten some great success stories. And I think it's the same thing with real world management consulting in that it's not a one size fits all, right? It's extremely tailored. It's long hours to get there. And your goal is to provide value to the client. Yeah. And clearly like you have a passion for consulting as well, because obviously you started out with career, um, the career coaching. And do you think that, do you think that like what you knew that you were going to do consulting or consulting would be a role that interests you during career coaching prior to that, or maybe even after that? Like, when do you think you found like that consulting would be for you? So I think that, and again, I, I know that a lot of your audience is, is, in, um, is in different business schools across, across the country, even across the world, if they're outside of, the, outside of the U.S. I think consulting is really interesting in that you come in as a generalist, you're not going to be specialized for the first few years, and you learn a ton in a short amount of time. So in the last few months that I've been at the company, I've already worked on four different clients in four different industries with four different problems and we've offered four different solutions. I've been able to network 
you know, very well with people internally as well as the actual client. And I just think that if you're unsure of what you want to do, it's almost like having a generalist business education for a few years where, you know, you get paid well, you get excellent exposure, you learn a ton, it's fast paced, it's exciting. um, And and overall, it's, I, I just think it's a great career it's it's great to start your career in consulting of course if you already know what you want to do and you're like i love marketing i want to do marketing in tech go do that i'm not saying go do consulting but if you're unsure and you spend a few years at school and you've you've enjoyed finance classes and accounting and maybe a, a business strategy class or operations and you have a lot of interest i think consulting is a great way to further narrow what your interests really fall into and what you want to pursue because after a few years and let's say that I've been doing a ton of work with, you know, um, media companies. I can specialize in media after a few years in like the San Francisco region, let's say. So I think that it's a great way to jumpstart your career and learn a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah, AJ, I think I think that's a pretty interesting point. The fact that um, consulting kind of exposes you to so many different areas that if you kind of are unsure and don't know exactly where you want to go, like, it's definitely it's definitely a really good thing to look at, right? And I feel like this episode has been so good because we kind of covered the Fine Round podcast. We covered career, the career coaching company. We covered your role at Accenture. But looking at it holistically and like kind of having our own podcast, we know how much work it kind of takes into initiate a project, right? And you've had you actually have two projects going on at the same time: career coaching company and the Fine Round podcast. And on top of that, you also have a full time role at a huge company Accenture right so I'm just wondering what's your thought process how are you able to like cultivate the energy to kind of like work through all these initiatives at the same time without really burning out to be honest with you I'm still trying to figure it out myself Um, (laughs) I would say I would say lots of coffee not a lot of sleep Um, that's what it comes down to but and I know that's probably not the answer you wanted to hear so I'll I'll give you a real answer but I would say that I I am someone who thrives on having a plate that's just overflowing with different opportunities, right? If I have one thing on my plate, the type of person that I am is I tend to procrastinate because I know that if something's due in two weeks and I only have one thing, I can wait till the day before to get it done, right? That's not how I thrive. That's not how I want to live my life. What I love to do is have such a filled plate to the point where I don't have any time to procrastinate. I don't have time to go on, let's say, social media and and waste time or watch Netflix. I literally Mm -hmm. have to be as productive as possible, have to be the best time manager that I can be, because if not, then something will fall. And I don't want any of these opportunities to fall, of course, right? Mm -hmm. I think time management is critical when you have a lot on your plate. And then second of all, you have to build a great team around you, whether that is interns, whether that is a general manager, whether that is you know, people who support you in your network, people like mentors who check in with you. You know, I'm very fortunate to have a great support team and and people who kind of know their roles and help with these different projects. But, you know, I would lie to you and say that if I I didn't work, I I work on the weekends, right? And I don't work for for Accenture on the weekends. I work for my personal, you know, passion project, CCC Mm -hmm. podcast Mm -hmm. on the weekends. And I don't think of it like, wow, I work seven days a week. That's a horrible life. I love to work on these projects Mm -hmm. on the weekends, right? I still have, of course, time for downtime to see friends, to enjoy myself. But I think that I love the weekends because I can focus on these different projects and I could be a great time manager 
and yeah, maybe there's some, there's a lot of sacrifices that go, that go into having a lot on your plate. Like some Saturday nights, you know, I'm, I'm editing the podcast cause we're posting it on Sunday <laughs> versus going out with friends, but mm-hmm. it, it's those success stories that keep you going. It's, you have to be in it for the right reasons, right? This is not a money play for me. This, these are not side hustles. They're side projects mm-hmm. because I want to continue to empower people. There's a lot of people out there struggling. And, and every time that I, I think about complaining like wow i have so much on my plate wow i work crazy hours it's all self-inflicted right these mm-hmm. other two side um opportunities ccc in the podcast i brought them upon myself right i choose to yeah. work with them so i think everyone out there and hopefully this is not a, just a rant about <laughs> my schedule but you know if you are a person and again you could be either person it doesn't matter right both people are great types of people but if you want to be a person who is extremely busy who has so many different opportunities and they're just juggling so many balls in the air. I would say that you never know what's going to come from it. And I've been fortunate enough to have so many opportunities thrown my way. So many doors being opened when I didn't even know there was a door for this opportunity because I'm doing so much. And it was the same thing at USC. And then not only was I a full-time student, but I was a president of one of the largest organizations on campus, right? I was a consultant for a case team that traveled across the world and competed against other business schools, right? I was in a couple mm-hmm. different yeah. fraternities, right? So you have to be juggling so many things if you want opportunities thrown your way versus, and I've met some people who are just students. And again, nothing bad about that, but it's like, what else is going to be added to your story? How are these opportunities going to be thrown your way? And I think for me, when I thrive is when I'm doing it for the right reasons, which, you know, I'm definitely, I definitely am. I love to empower others. And when I'm the busiest. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I hope those listening kind of really, listen to that really carefully because that was extremely inspiring and kind of i i feel like a, a good point to be made there is the fact that when you keep yourself so busy you're kind of living in the moment right and that's kind of one of the biggest goals that every human has you don't want to like always just wander about the past or think about the future and having those like late saturday nights where you're editing your podcast you're kind of forced to live in the moment i feel like that's definitely so rewarding in of itself and that kind of keeps you away from like burning up because Personally speaking, I feel like when I do burn out, it's when I think about all the work I have ahead instead of instead of when mm-hmm. I'm actually doing the work. You don't really see yourself burning out, but when you see a whole pile of work ahead and you see yourself and you see yourself having to grind for that in the future, it kind of overwhelms you, right? So kind of always having something to do is it kind of keeps that uh, momentum rolling and you kind of just work your way through it, right? And hundred percent. And I would say one more thing as well, in that I think for the last probably a year, it's crazy to say a year now, but with the whole pandemic, right? Social mm-hmm. has been just cut out, right? Restaurants, bars, clubs, yeah. seeing your friends, right? It, it doesn't happen anymore. Obviously now the vaccine's rolling out and thing, there's definitely optimism in the future, but yeah. I would say that there's still a ton more free time now than there mm-hmm. will be post pandemic when we're back into the usual, exactly. you know, typical day to day. So I think that if you're someone, and I, I trust me, I have a lot of friends who say the same thing and that they're bored right now and that they're just doing school, they're just doing work and then watching Netflix because they can't go out on the weekends, get involved with something. And I can't tell you what that something will be, but some yeah. ideas could be a side hustle. It could be taking an online course to learn about you know, day trading or learning about crypto or Bitcoin or mm-hmm. starting a personal brand mm-hmm. or starting a podcast. Like there's so many things you can do. And when we look back on these this year or two, in the next few years, right, you're going to ask yourself, what did I do during this time, right? Did I help others? Did I do, did I start something? Did I build something? Or did I just waste time? And I think that, again, 
of course you can waste time during the week and, and take some time for yourself to, to unwind, focus on mental health, but really think about what can you do today that will help you tomorrow. Yeah, perfect. I couldn't have said it better, honestly. And I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up today. Honestly, AJ, like we, I feel like this is such an inspiring experience, experience kind of like listening to your stories. And once again, we thank you for coming on. And for those listening, I hope you guys took something from this. And as usual, we'll see you guys very soon on the next episode of the Empower Podcast. Awesome. Thank you, guys.